0: and gentlemen
1: please welcome your indiana Gunners. in the spring of 2007 15 years ago an excellent sports story developed in bloomington indiana if you love sports if you love football you're going to love this story for some of the men who play the game of football and dedicated a large portion of their life to the sport Football is not just a game or a sport. For many involved, football is life. And I believe this story truly illuminates that experience. My name is Rich Carroll. I'm the news and sports director for News Radio WNZF in Flagler County, Florida. I'm also the voice of Flagler County football for the Matanzas Pirates and FPC Bulldog football games. Been doing that for close to a decade now. And also, I have my own sports show here locally, Out of Sight Sports on News Radio WNZF every Saturday morning at 7.30 or just check it out on the Flagler Radio app. Bloomington, Indiana, and Monroe County are known for sports. It's the home to Indiana University and countless national championships in various sports, seven Olympic athletes, numerous Hall of Fame sports journalists, and several outstanding professional athletes. Impressive for such a small community. Not everyone outside of Bloomington knows the story about the Indiana-Cutter semi-pro football program. If you lived in Bloomington from 2007 through 2009, then maybe, just maybe, you were able to catch one of their exciting football games and follow the program. During this period, the Indiana-Cutter semi-pro team captured the heart of football fans in Bloomington and throughout the semi-professional football world. The program appeared in three consecutive league championships and won back-to-back titles. It became nationally recognized as a shining example of how to build a successful semi-pro football organization and the two gentlemen responsible for the program's success during that period are my guest today. Let me introduce our first guest, Jim Allen. He's the co-founder of the Indiana Cutter Semi-Pro Football Program. Jim was inducted into the American Football Hall of Fame class of 2013. Jim, welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. So awesome to have you and this is an incredible story, but you know what let's start from the beginning okay talk about bringing semi pro football to Bloomington and some of the challenges you faced, and really what inspired you to bring semi pro football to Bloomington.
2: Well, I was a. career firefighter and we had a couple of. uh, volunteers at our station, who had played football in high school and they came to me one day with an idea and uh, i i hadn't i hadn't even heard of football at this level to you know to be honest until they came in and they wanted they wanted me to try to put something together and i i said well i don't know <laughs> i've never done anything like this before and i don't like to fail at anything so i, well, I did some research and stuff and we got to talking and the more I talked to them, the more I realized that uh, once somebody left high school and they were a football player, they didn't have an option to continue playing the game they love. Uh, if they were, were a base, baseball player or a softball player, uh, you know, they they could uh, go on and have your amateur softball teams and, and do that. But there just wasn't nothing for football that I knew of. And... I guess there as it turned out there was it just wasn't available in bloomington indiana so i got uh did a little research we we come up and i said well let's 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 get together and see how many players we have Uh, you know because just two guys you're not going to go far so on january the the 10th i uh we had a practice at a middle school and there was like twenty guys showed up. It was snowing. the wind chill was like five degrees, and I'm like, "I got twenty guys out here wanting to play football, and we're out here in, in in Green Bay Packer weather, so I think maybe we need to try to to get that going and that's when I started working on it and and uh so that's how basically the idea came to me, and then I took it from there.
1: so you show up there, it's freezing cold. The snow is falling. You see these 20 guys show up. They want to play football no matter what. That's the reason they're there, right? They're there because they have the passion for the game, yet that outlet didn't exist for them to really continue to play the game after college, after high school, whatever it was. But these guys show up, and you realize at that moment that, well— Maybe there's something special about this idea. Maybe it's not just starting a football program, but it's doing something for these guys.
2: That's, that's right. It uh, yeah. I, I, I put on three or four layers of clothing. I remember that day, and I was like, I'm going to get up there and and Darren, one of the one of the volunteers, and, and Wayne, who another one of the volunteers. It's going to be me and Darren and, and Wayne up here throwing a football around. And they assured me they had at least 15 guys that was coming. And when they started showing up, I was like, okay, th- this is, this is something we really need to do. And, you know, it, like now, even in today's world, as it's progressed, of course, this was many, many years ago, but they're just, uh, there wasn't anything really to get these guys off the street and give them something to do and, and enable them to have a way to give back to the community. And that was one of the things that when I first went, was talking to him, I said, if we're gonna do this, this has gotta be something that's good for the community that represents the city of Bloomington. And we, we gotta, it's, we've gotta do good stuff. Every game will have to, to mean something for something. So we had a lot, almost every game we had was a benefit for something, or not almost every game, but in fact, every game we played, we had a benefit of some local charity or something that uh, we gave back to the community with
1: so how about you jim allen obviously you're a sports guy they approach you with this idea because you love football what's your background in the sport did you play uh what's your history with the sport of football
2: well this is what's really going to surprise you i played football in middle school and i was going to play in high school my freshman year i decided i wasn't going to i i just loved football i loved watching the game i i i, I like football to me was like battles uh it's hard to explain but it, it was just i'd get into it and try to analyze everything you would think i was coaching but i really wasn't i was just it was just my passion it was something you know if there's football game on i was going to be at it uh my dad he uh, worked as head custodian at a, a high school here in, in martinsville indiana and he was there for like 30 years and he, can, you know, of course, I followed the Martinsville team. That's where I graduated, and it, I, I remember, you know, we had Israel Thompson. Uh, was he? He was a player that my dad really loved, and I liked watching. And we had Earl Hanniford, They both wound up being Indiana Mr. Footballs. And I'll tell you, I was, football is my favorite sport. I mean, that you there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I just just dove into it
1: why did you know what is it about football you think about super bowl sunday and and the majority of the country is sitting in front of their televisions watching the game it's the most viewed sporting event of the year in, in the united states of america and you know uh, what what is it about the sport that gets 20 guys to go step on that field in freezing weather when a lot of these guys uh, you know they have other commitments they have jobs they have other things going on in their lives and, and what is it about this sport, the game of football, that just brings us all together? That will compel someone to go stand outside in the freezing cold to be a part of it?
2: Well, it's, uh, I, I guess one thing that comes to mind is you know the movie uh, Any Given Sunday. Uh, you know it's uh, you have to have you have to have a desire to win. You have to have a desire to be the best, and with football, it's a team sport. Uh, every yeah you have, yeah, you have, well we had quite a big roster, but everybody worked together and we had the same goals. And I think we proved to a lot of people, even the the team veteran teams that had been around a while, we proved to them in our first year that uh, we had a passion for the game that was unmatched by anybody. We wanted to be the best that we could be, and we were going to be the best that we could be. And uh, our players res- that we had, they respected the game, they respected each other, and they re- respected our opponents. Uh, we even had a uh, one of our sponsors in town was kind enough that they would host us after the game and give us a whole room. And the reason they gave us a whole room, we invited the visiting team to come have a drink with us eat a bite of food with us after the game and uh, just share camaraderie and, and uh, uh, just enjoy the night. You know, the game's over. Now let's go and spend some time and enjoy the night together.
1: That's part of the love of it too, I guess, is it are the battle stories, the memories, the things, the shared experience that these players go through. When you learned about the existence of semi-pro football, because you had mentioned that it, it wasn't something that you even knew about, Were you surprised? Did you look at it as an opportunity? What were your first thoughts when you were presented with the idea of of bringing semi-pro football to Bloomington?
2: The first first thought, and, and probably a lot of other people involved in this are going to say the same thing. The first thought was the longest yard, and my gosh, we can't have something like that, so I started researching, and there were leagues all over. I, I, it was this eye-opening. I was, I was like, "My gosh, I, all this going on!" There's there's semi-pro in Indianapolis I don't even know about, and uh, I just I just threw myself into it. And when I when I saw what was available, I thought, "Yes, this will be good for Bloomington, Indiana, and it'll be good for the players that decide they want to participate in it."
1: Did you have the aspirations of greatness of winning championships? Did you did you see that in in this program's future or was it just to get started? Were you thinking championships?
2: Well, at first I was I was thinking let's just get started and let's have a let's have a decent year. And the very first practice, I was I, my jaw dropped. I was this this team can win. This team can win it, and I think we can win it this year. And uh, was, I had people at the Firehouse, they, they, they laughed, they snickered. They said, yeah, you're going to come in, you're going to play these guys in Indianapolis, you're going to win. I said, we are. And, uh, and we did. And that was a mindset we went into it with. Uh, we went into it. We're not out here just to, to play football on a Saturday afternoon. We're out here to have fun. Have fun for our families and to at some point win a championship. And that championship came sooner than we thought.
1: Okay. So when you get started, first things first, you have to find a leader. And that's the head football coach, right? And we all know how important a head coach is to the success of any football team, it's vital. That's right. Tell us about how you found your leader. Well,
2: I had a uh, gentleman who was really a good friend of mine that I had known he for a while. He had a coaching background, and uh, I went and talked to him, and his name is uh, Brent Slinkard. I went and talked to Brent. His office was, believe it or not, just down the hill from where we were practicing on that first day, and he was kind of skeptical about it. And I I was bound to determine that I wasn't going to let up. I was going to convince him that he was going to be the coach of this team. And uh, we talked and talked. And by golly, one day he called up. He said, let's go with it. And that's uh, that's where it started. But I had one guy in mind, one and only one guy. And I told the guys, if Coach Slinkard does not come on board, this is not going to fly. And we're going to drop it.
1: Well, guess what? Coach Slinkard is on board here for this show today, isn't that right, Brent?
0: Rich, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining me and Jim Allen on the program.
0: Yeah, this is this is awesome. And and Rich, I might uh, add that we are recording this on Super Bowl Sunday, February thirteenth, twenty twenty two rich i'm going to put you on the spot who's going to win this afternoon
1: you know what i, I was uh, thinking about this all week and i gave my predict my predictions yesterday morning on out-of-sight sports and i did go with the rams it's an interesting game I, I think it could go either way
0: that's great um good to join your program rich this this sounds like great fun uh jim my friend how are you i'm doing great i
2: just uh relaxing here at home we, we we were at church this morning and got home and relaxing waiting on the, the the program time to roll around and i feel great today
0: good glad to hear it rich um it's so funny uh and thanks for the introduction jim but i uh i have to share with you you know we're doing this on super bowl sunday we're all sports guys we love sports Rich, you're, you're a professional at this, and it's just a pleasure to, to do this program with you. But, you know, I, I was chuckling a little bit earlier when Jim was talking about, you know, the context of semi pro football, because to me, Jim Allen was a friend of mine. He had credibility, but this idea had no credibility whatsoever because I had no understanding of the uh, how semi pro football was all across the country. I was unaware of it. And, and you know, I, I think we think in uh, football uh, with regard to, you know, high school, college pros, but there's also some other really significant steps in there. Um, and one of those is semi-prof- uh, semi-professional football. And uh, the more that I learned about it, the more intriguing it became. Uh, I mean, we learned that Jerry Jones had a, a down in Texas has a semi pro football team. He uses it as a feeder for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, not all of his talent comes out of there, but it's like a farm camp uh, that you'd have in baseball. And the more I studied it and the more that I listened to Jim, uh, the more compelled I, I it, it just, it really captured my attention. But I have to admit, I'm just like Jim. Uh, and Rich, you probably were able to, to see that movie as well, The Longest Yard. I remember all the players were convicts, and it was not an easy road for the coaches. And I thought, that's the last thing I want to do is coach a bunch of convicts. And that was my context. I had no idea of this semi-pro professional world.
1: When you mention uh, the farm team, kind of like a baseball farm team, I think about the Kurt Warner story. You know, and him being able to get that opportunity to play an arena football and just keep playing. Cause you never know what's going to happen. You never know if you're going to get another opportunity here or there, but just giving these men the opportunity to continue to play the game means so much. Cause as I mentioned earlier in the program, for these guys who are willing to get out there and stand in the freezing weather and play football together, it stops being a game. It's not a sport anymore. It's life. It's part of you. It's, sure. it's, you know, and uh, you see that with the Kurt Warner story and the fact that the guy just never gave up. And and to me, you know, uh, I love sports, as you mentioned. And I believe for me, the Kurt Warner story is the most incredible story I've ever witnessed uh, for him to get into the NFL that year and win a Super Bowl and the MVP and everything. But you know what? Well, part of the reason, aside from his passion and sticking with it, Part of the reason he was able to get another opportunity is because at the lower levels, he was still playing. Someone else gave him an opportunity. And that's what you guys did for a lot of these guys. You you gave them an opportunity to keep playing football. And that's so important.
0: Well, Jim deserves a credit. And I I appreciated the opening segment with you and and Jim. Um, And, and, you know, I think Jim is a perfect example of someone who has passion uh, for something. And he was able to, take that idea and and develop something extraordinary and and, you know I think the credit goes to those that are in the the arena that you know takes the idea and actually does something with it they execute on the idea that's what Jim was able to do and that's how we ended up uh, having this you know outstanding semi-professional program there in Bloomington Indiana.
1: So when Jim Allen approaches you and he's looking for a leader he's looking for a head football coach Uh, for a semi-professional football team. Did you think he was crazy initially, or did you think, hey, this is something that could work?
0: Well, I thought his idea was crazy. I I mean, I I just didn't, I had no context for semi-professional football. I had coached in high school uh, for 15 years at two different high schools. So I had a pretty good sense of what it would take to organize a, 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 a ball club and how to be competitive. But his initial, I mean, I have to laugh, Jim. We, I go back to that. You're being really kind because I, I thought uh, if I reflect back on this, I'm thinking, uh, Jim, there's no way. I, this does not interest me. And you'd come in and you'd say, yeah, but Brent, we had you know, 20 guys at practice today. And then we had 25 guys at practice. And, and I think what changed the, 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 the perspective of this for me, uh, Rich, which is a great question on your part. And that is um, some of the former players I had coached began to demonstrate interest, and they were showing up at these practices. Uh, you know, Jake Baird, Deshaun Benson, Ricky Brown, Bryce Roberts, and, and mostly Aaron White, who was uh, a quarterback, an all-state quarterback I coached at Edgewood. And uh, when I learned that they were interested, then I became interested. And Jim and I talked about it. and. Jim basically said, look, you know, you you just give us a direction. Tell us how we're going to get this done. We'll be there for you. We'll support you. You've got my support. You've got our, our board support. Just tell us how you want to have success. And, you know, all credit goes to Jim because he had a vision for how this was going to look, how it was going to work. And once he gave me reins of the program, then, you know, we were off. It, it was just let's get to work.
1: So you're a coach of a high school football team. What is it about coaching? You know, what kept bringing you back where you said, you know what, this is something I want to keep doing. Uh, What was the experience in high school? And how were you able to take that experience and use it at the semi-pro level?
0: Well, I think we all would agree uh, that uh, football is one of the greatest teachers of life. Um, uh, Football is about Teamwork, it's about fundamentals, it's about discipline, it's about commitment, uh, all those things that drive success. We, we're able to take these lessons in football and apply them in life. And, you know, I can tell you for certain, I would not be who I am today without those fundamental lessons learned both in, you know, junior league and, and high school and college as a player, and then going on to coaching over the years. Uh, it's the great teacher of life, Rich. And I, and I know you know this and Jim knows this, but I think that was the the appeal to this is that, you know, we can probably help some people uh, in our community uh, and give them, you know, every one of these guys had a burning passion for the game and we all had common interests. Uh, so, yeah, I think that was the common denominator uh, between all of us, no matter whether it was coaching or a player or a team personnel or board member or you know sponsors they all had passion for this game that we all love that we believe is a great teacher in life
1: how would you describe your coaching style you got many different coaching styles out there you, you got your in your face coach very loud uh, you know gets his guys ready and you also have the silent type that's very strategic and uh, analytic. What 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 would be your uh, coaching style? <laughs> uh,
0: you know, that's probably a better answered by Jim. He's probably a better analyst on those things than I am.
1: <laughs> what would you say, Jim? Uh,
2: he was uh, he was he was intense when he needed to be. Let's, let's he, he was intense when he needed to be intense. But during the game, he was his he was just focused on what was what was going on he had his game plan he was going to stick to it no matter what uh my i, I used to get tickled because you couldn't keep him off the field you know the, the refs would be like you know, you, know, you know tell coach to get off the field a little bit he's around you know five six yards out there uh, but uh, it, it he he's kind of he's kind of quiet type i think he he wasn't a, the rah-rah uh, guy roaming running up and down the sideline beating on things that that, that was me throwing baseball caps and stuff but uh, uh Brent was uh yeah he he had his he had his plan and he stuck with it But uh, but we knew what what he wanted before we even stepped on the field that day
1: and and that's how, was that how you were jim while you were watching the games were you the raw raw were you excitable were you loud were you screaming how did you experience the games
2: I i was i was a basket case i mean <laughs> Yeah, I was the rah, rah, scream, scream, yell to officials. officials. Uh, I used to get mad and throw my, throw my cap. And I remember we had a uh, player named Chris Jones, and his family had came over from Terre Haute to watch the game. And after the game, I went up and was talking to Chris, and he introduced his parents, and he said, this is my sister. And she said, well, I'm really disappointed. I said, well, you're disappointed? We won. I mean, we didn't win. We blew the team out. She said, you didn't get mad and throw a fit. <laughs> I said, you could throw all the way from Gerald to see me throw my hat here. I'll throw it for you. <laughs> but that's just the way I was. I, I get pretty intense with the games. And uh, I, I even did that in late, recent years. Uh, four or five years ago, I coached youth football. And uh, I was a little intense, especially for a youth league, but we had fun
1: it does something to us doesn't it and and you see it all the time with with ball players they say it all the time you know i'm a different guy on the field you see that intensity you see the passion and then in a, in regular life you might be a really quiet person you know an introvert but but on the field you're a different guy you know we all experience that even as fans watching at home we start screaming at the television it just does something to us oh yeah <laughs> so okay practice. We're talking about practice. Sorry, Alan Iverson. <laughs> <laughs> practice time is obviously so important to the success of any team at any level. However, at the semi-pro level, I'd imagine it's particularly difficult because you're dealing with guys who have careers and day jobs. They have to pay the bills, family commitments. How did you make it work? Talk about practice Indiana cutter style.
2: Good that's probably one that uh i think brent can can go down because uh we were fortunate enough that brent uh he had a lot of connections in town and uh there was a an old school north of bloomington this school was famous for having uh there's a band uh, a band that was called star of indiana and they used this uh school for their practices the reason being it had a football field there. The football field had goalposts and it had lights. And Brent knew the uh, the people that, that owned that, and took care of that, and, and he worked out a uh, deal and that's where we were able to have our practices. And uh, I'll let him go take it from there because I'm gonna tell you that first day that I showed that first practice, he's like, okay, well, here's, and he's got everything laid out. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that shows why I needed a coach, because I would have never figured out all this stuff to, to go through. And I mean, everything was timed out right down to the minute. special teams. At the you know, end of the day, we worked on that. He said it was just remarkable. I, I'd never seen anything like it.
1: How about that, uh, Brian?
0: Well, I think, uh, you know, you guys very well know um, success is no accident and i firmly believe that football is a very intellectual game we often get caught up in the rah-rah of it and it's a very physical and brutal game but it is a very intellectual game and i think that our approach was real simple and that is you know we're going to outwork our opponents we're going to outsmart our opponents Um, we're going to go into every game with a mindset that we're prepared to win and I think that starts in practice. So that's how we structured our practices. Um, And, you know, like any other, you know, my experiences uh, in high school coaching was that you had uh, position coaches, you had breakout sessions, you had, you know, skull sessions. Um, We did everything we could possibly do to gain an advantage every week. And uh, a lot of that was organization, but also was developing a mindset. Um, and and how we wanted to treat our players with respect uh, and uh, how we want to prepare them every week for a ball game uh, it was essential part of the process and as Jim and I both agree because we've talked about it, uh, it it is a process it's from the very beginning those first impressions you create on day one uh, the level of respect for the game the level of respect for players and coaches the um, all of the players called us by coach. Uh, there was never any type of, uh, you know, we were laughing about the longest yard uh, and the attitude of the players in that movie. We we never did see that. Uh, these players, that, well, one thing about, you know, any player at any level, they want to be coached and they want to be coached up and you know there were times where we really had to get after these guys and you know you're talking grabbing their face masks and literally getting physical with them sometimes it takes that uh, other times it takes bringing them off to the side and having a one-to-one conversation with them letting them know how they can improve their game uh or maybe a different pr- approach that they need to take for for uh, the, the for the good of the team and you know all the credit goes to players I mean, those are the guys who really made it work. Uh, they listened to us as coaches. We had some outstanding coaches, which I know we'll get into shortly. But we just had, uh, we had the right guys involved. Now, I say, you know, when you think about Jim and, and the different people that we got on the, the championship bus, and I always say, you got to get the right people on the bus. If you get the right people on the championship bus, then you're going to get there. Whether you get there in year one or year two or year three, it doesn't matter. It's just you will get there if you get the right people involved. And for us, with regard to the practices and how we structured things, we just had the right people involved. I think that's how it worked, Rich.
1: And, you know, you talk about football being an intellectual game. And I don't think anyone can argue that because oftentimes you hear football compared to chess, right? It's a, it's, it's a game of chess between the head coaches. But at certain levels, and I know this talking to a lot of high school football coaches, it's hard to play the chess game when the pieces don't do what they're supposed to do, right? If I'm playing a game of chess with you, I know where the pieces are supposed to go. So the pieces are going to do what they have to do. However, at the high school level, maybe the semi pro level, you're working really hard during practice to make sure in that game, the pieces do what they're supposed to do. So it's not just playing the intellectual game but it's also teaching. And I'm sure that you had to do a lot of teaching uh, as your time as a coach so that you could play that chess game.
0: Oh, Rich, you know, it's so fascinating you mentioned that because it was quite the opposite. Hmm. And I know that sounds crazy, but we didn't have time to to teach fundamentals. Uh, They better pick that up in high school or college before they come to a semi-pro league because the fundamentals have to be there. Now, did we review some things? Sure, we did. But I think the thing that we did probably as well as anyone else was analyze and assess talent. And you know, Jim was always you know in my back pocket, uh, you know, making observations and and looking at the talent to determine where we put people uh, and how we have success. And as you well know, we're in sports. You know, you get people in the right spots, you're going to have success. You just have to go through the critical aspect of assessment and analyzing what you have and then get people in a place where they'll flourish.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's usually the key is to put guys in a position to succeed. And that's what all the great coaches do. Would would you consider yourself the type of coach that has an offensive system, has a defensive system, and you're going to put your players into that system and and they're going to succeed? Or do you try to adjust to the talent that you have?
0: Jim and I, we've talked about this. Yeah, Rich, you well know if you're running a college program and you have a particular system, then you get to recruit players into that system, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're a drop back team and that's your scheme, then that's that's fine. Uh, if you're uh, more of a run and shoot team, then that's fine. You you, you can draft skill set to what you have. But I think in high school and particularly in semi-pro with our experiences, we didn't have that luxury. Uh, we basically had to look at what we have to work with, and then get people in the right spots and build schemes around your talent. I think for you know at high school and and, and semi professional, you got to approach it that way. When you get into the collegiate uh, uh, system or maybe in a pro system, then you can start recruiting talent around scheme. But in this particular case, Jim, I mean, we had to we we were out recruiting, but we had to make sure we just got good athletes. So that's what it come down to.
1: And when you're at the semi-pro level and you get into practice, I guess it depends on on how many guys you have on your roster. Do you have a lot of guys playing both ways, Ironman, football? Did you have a lot of that going on at your level?
0: Well, we tried not to. Uh, that was the goal. Uh, we, we Jim did a great job of looking at different leagues and different teams to f- determine that the better we could platoon uh, our team, the better off we'd be. And you know, I know this is a shocking number, but I was just laughing with Jim a few days ago. I think we had close to 80 players on that first-year squad, uh, first-year team. So we, you know, we had a lot to choose from. Now, not all were collegiate-level players or even really good high school players, but we had a lot of good football players on that team. Yeah, Would we did. Think?
1: Would you, uh, Brent uh, and, and Jim, you guys could both answer this because uh, – Jim, maybe uh, Brent can't answer it uh, accurately. Was Brent a player's coach? Did the players love him? You know, D- did you did you uh, get on the good side of the players, or w- were you a little distant from your players and try to maintain that head coach leadership role? What was your style in that regard?
2: Well, the, the first the first season, uh, I was listed as the head coach, but Brent was actually the head coach uh Brent he organized practices he ran the uh he made the game plans he did this he did that he he made it all and one thing that uh you're I mean you know sports so you're sitting here we have we have 60 or 80 players you know, to 80 players that want to play not all of them are going to show up to practice you're going to get that but the kicker to all this that shows what what an amazing job Brent and the coaching staff we put together did. They only we had practice two days a week, and those practices I I believe were like from six to nine something like that, and it was on two, I think Tuesday and Thursday, and the Thursday practice was more of a walkthrough because uh, you don't want to bang get banged up or you know whatever. But I'll let Brent elaborate on that a little bit. But yeah, we, this this isn't where you practice every day. I, and and guys with jobs, they well, coach, I can't make it to practice. And, but Brent Slinker was the he those players would have walked through the gates of Hades with him if he asked them to. And that and that that's the respect that they had for him, and he returned that respect to them. And uh, you know they thought of me really well too. But I'm going to tell you. Uh, Brent was the, he was the main leader in this organization.
0: Well, that's, that's nice for you to say, Jim. I, I mean, I think there was mutual respect for both of us, but Rich, it, you know, it's just real simple. I, I It's a great question, but um, I think it's one of the lessons we learn in life, which is you treat people with respect. And we did that from the very beginning in, in our first tryouts, in our first... Uh, Practice. We demonstrated respect to the players, and in return, they delivered it back, tenfold. Uh, we never had disrespect uh, from our players. They, they, when we asked them to work hard, they worked hard. Uh, and I think part of it too is we were really clear about our vision. And our vision is we're going to work our butt off. We're going to out prepare the other team, and we're here to win championships. And I think that was. That was the message from the very beginning. And, and, you know, guys who love the game, just like us, we like to hear that. We, we want to know that this program has a vision for championships because when you win championships, everything changes. You create relationships for life. Uh, so I think that they bought into the vision that Jim put together. Uh, and I think that they, they accepted the criticism as well as the praise that we provided to them as players.
1: Just one last thing on practice here. Everybody sees the professional level and and these incredible locker rooms, these incredible facilities. Obviously, that's going to be different at the semi pro level. Talk about the facilities that were used for practice. How difficult was it? Uh, uh, Just talk about that. Where did you guys practice? What was it like? Talk about the facilities.
2: Wow. Well, I'm gonna let I'm gonna say I'll start out just one little thing and then we'll let Brett Brett talk about that. Brent talk about that. Uh I believe we were the first semi-pro organization in the state of Indiana that actually used a combine before for tryouts. I mean it was like a pro style combine. And I think that that uh, led to us getting many of the really good players we got. And I mean, it brought people out. I remember one guy came, he had on cowboy boots and he he wanted to be the quarterback. He was wearing work boots. But anyway, I'll let Brent go take that and answer that question for you.
0: Well, I, I think, Rich, it's I'll, I'm gonna make it short and sweet. Uh, the semi-professional world does struggle with facilities. They, they struggle with these aspects that you mentioned. Uh, there are a few occasions where a semi-pro team or league may own their own facility it it actually happens in in some places throughout the country but for probably 90 to 95 percent they have to create relationships with athletic directors at high schools or you know they find ways to find practice facilities and often you know the the semi-professional seasons during the summer so it's ahead of fall sports So you typically can, you know, rent those facilities and use them in some capacity, which is what we did. Jim and I had relationships there in Monroe County. We're able to leverage some of our uh, experiences with being able to rent facilities. And it really worked out for our our favor. But uh, we never really struggled in that area. We always had a good facility to practice good games, uh, high school stadiums to have our games at, And uh, it was it was really good all the way around.
1: All right. We're talking with Jim Allen, founder of the Indiana Cutters football program, semi-pro football program, and Brent Slinkard, head coach of a couple of championships there about a decade ago. Jim Allen. Yes. With all the work and the dream of bringing semi-pro football to Bloomington, the first semi-pro football game in Bloomington must have been a monumental moment for you. it
2: it uh it, it was uh i well in fact the matter, i had people over at the house that morning i couldn't stop pacing i was just, i must have put 20 miles on my shoes just pacing around the house worried you know, how many people are going to show up is everything going to go off right is is everything going to be uh, what we expected how's the community going to react and uh, the first game i i had went out it i knew some people that uh, you know, guy a guy on owned the fireworks business so he agreed he was going to come and shoot fireworks off when we took the field and uh after every score brent got he got with the uh i think it was called bloomington Br- uh, brass band and uh, we decided we'd do the notre dame fight song as we come out onto the field and after every touchdown and after every touchdown mr porter would shoot off some fireworks and uh it was just, we had everything look good on paper, but it's one of them things where you just don't know, you you pray that everything goes the way it should. We were playing this team from Ohio, and and they had probably 30, 35 players, that was it, and they carpooled over, so they're they're out warming up, and our team's getting ready to come out for its final warm-up, and here comes like 70 to 80 players dressed in bright red uniform looks like well looked like indiana university coming on the field so we go down we huddle up in the end zone and it's time to do this, take the fields so we can get the national anthem going and we we go across there and this fireworks guy shot off something that, that would rival a, a grand finale somewhere just boom 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 i looked over and the coach from from uh, ohio his mouth was open he i just know he was thinking what the heck did i get myself into
1: <laughs> what do you remember uh, about that day brent
0: oh it's it, i think just uh, just real quick rich it was just fascinating what jim had put together um and, and our board members we had a lot of people involved with that day i mean you it, had you driven by it you, you got to remember there were the stands were absolutely full, almost to capacity. There were cheerleaders. There was a band. There was fireworks. And I think Jim, if if he understood anything, it was how to how to create entertainment. And he really was able to carve this out, along with board members who helped out. I know, uh, but he was able to carve out this experience that was undeniable. And here it is in June of. Uh, of the summer, and you're able to go watch football, high quality football, where you get to see not only some really outstanding high school players who have graduated, but now you get to see uh, several Indiana University players, Division One players, Uh, you get to see players from Notre Dame. Uh, I mean, it was a great ticket for a Saturday night. And and best yet was Jim, you know, he touched on this, but I want to be real clear. Here's another part of why Jim Allen isn't semi-pro-professional Hall of Fame. He always connected a charitable cause to every home game. And that first home game, if I recall, was for the food pantry. We did uh, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Boys Club and Girls Club, uh, local military families. I mean, Jim had a vision for how he wanted those games to go. So, yeah, I think back on that first game, and, and if I remember, Jim, wasn't there a, a blog or a community uh, chat board, and there were a couple people who attended the game for out of state, and I mean they were in shock. They said it rivaled any semi-pro semi-pro game they had ever witnessed.
2: Yeah, that it, yeah, that's true. And uh, uh, you know, not particularly the first game, but one of the other games. Well, it was. We'll, we'll get to the rivals later, but one of our rival games. Their kicker had been, uh, he, he'd been everywhere. I mean, the, the guy was, he, uh, how he wasn't kicking in, in pros, I don't know. But he wrote that it was the the best, most exciting atmosphere and crowd that he ever had, got the opportunity to play in front of. And it, that, that really just, you know, it, the first game was just so, it was so special. I mean, it, my mom was 82 years old and she was, she was in her final days, she had, she had uh, cancer, and she had never seen a football game in person in her life. The only football she'd ever seen was, if I managed to slip it on TV while I was at her house, I'd watch it a little bit before she told me to turn it off, she didn't like it, but she loved it. She came to two or three of our games after that, and it, that's, it's, it's just, it, it, it's indescribable. I, I had tears in my eyes when I came out on the field. I mean, that, that's how emotional I was. And the board members that, that we had, we all worked together. We had, There was a, a, a cheerleading school here in town that gymnastics, cheerleading, stuff like that. Uh, it's no longer uh, in business. It was Midwest Cheer All-Stars. And they provided us with 22 cheerleaders in red and white uniforms to cheer at our games on home games. So that's uh, – I will never forget that day. I will never forget coming out from another goal post and running on the field with the team and Brent. That, that That's something that I'll, I'll cherish forever.
1: That's amazing. Uh, Jim Allen, you know, uh, while Brent was getting the team ready as the head coach, getting them ready for the first game ever, <laughs> a semi-pro football game in Bloomington, you had another job. And, and I think this will be interesting for a lot of people and it's so fascinating when you talk about this was the first game ever, but it's a big event. It's, it's, you have the, the uh, stands full of people. You have the cheerleaders. You, how were you, as the founder of this organization, able to build that kind of interest for something that had never taken place before? How did you get the entire community behind it to where you filled those stands and created that kind of atmosphere? How did you accomplish that?
2: Well, we got, we, the local media, luckily, uh, got behind us from the start. Uh, I remember, uh, like Brent said, the, the first game was to benefit one of the local, I think, food pantries. And that got us a lot of free advertising. Uh, there was a, a young lady at uh, 105.1 uh, FM up here that I had known for a long time. Brent had known her for a long time and she did an interview on the radio and and when i went to the interview i went with with uh, 20 passes to the game and i told her I, you guys have a contest of a morning or something somebody have call in and uh, they win some tickets and i said you know we got to," and we stressed that it was going to be family entertainment and it, it that you know it wasn't going to be reverting back to the longest yard it's going to be football at its finest, and we we hammered it up to the media and hammered it. And I think there was one media uh, guy who kind of blew us blew us off and said that'll never fly in bloomington and I won't mention any names because he's still he still does sports, <laughs> but uh, he's on our he was on our side after after the first couple of games he realized we we had something going, and that that's when you get somebody like that uh, that you know, at first says, you're not going, you're not going to make it. And then, you know, two or three weeks later, they're like, wow. And uh, that's, it's just remarkable. If it hadn't been for the community and the media and everybody getting behind us, I I don't know what, what that first game would have turned out to be.
1: So now what initially the Indiana Cutters program is something that's providing an outlet for these football players to continue to play football. You're doing something very positive for the players' lives, but that metamorphosizes into something that's doing something positive for the entire community. The very first game, you're helping out the local food pantry, and every game after that, you're doing something else for the community. That's really a fantastic idea, because when you're local, you wanna get local involved, and you're doing something, not just for your players now, but the community itself. Was that your idea? Because it's quite brilliant, and uh, I'm sure the, the community Got behind you in part because, man, look at what they're doing.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I grew up in Martinsville, Indiana, which is uh, uh, 20 miles north of, of Bloomington, and Bill Siderwitz was the coach up there. And uh, Coach Siderwitz is where I got the idea for the fireworks from. Uh, they used to shoot fireworks off when the team took the field after every score, and then it kind of it kind of caught on. But uh, I just always remembered. Uh, one thing that, and Coach Siderwich, so he's a Hall of Fame coach for, he's in the Indiana, uh, he, well, he's in a lot of Hall of Fames, but anyway, uh, he, I remember one day, we were at an away game, and he wanted some fireworks shot off, and, and of course, he he managed to find somebody to do it, and I was like, hey, you even doing that over here, he said, hey, uh, you know, if you, if, if it's exciting, and you make it exciting, and you make it a crowd pleaser and you always give back to the community. Like we were, I told him about, you know, I'd mentioned about stuff. He said, they'll, they'll come. He said, the bigger the circus, the bigger the crowd.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Little P.T. Barnum coming out there. How huh, rich.
1: <laughs> the big top. Uh, right. Before we move on, of course, I have to ask uh, did you guys win that first game?
2: Oh, we blew them out.
1: <laughs> a sign brent, of things to come right
2: yeah, well brent was brent was nice he 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 uh he brent never he he never kept the foot all the way on the throttle so they didn't get it wasn't a total blowout, but yeah it was uh it, they they were out they were out of the league and they're they were a second or third year team so and we when proved, you uh, we see proved ourselves
1: when you see uh you outclass the other team by such a large margin in the first game ever. Do you start to get bigger aspirations? You know what? Maybe something special is going on here. I I
2: I had just I had thoughts, like I said, that we were on something, but uh, it wasn't until I think the third or fourth game, and and we'll get into rivals, uh, you know, later on. And at that game, I think that's when I realized. That yes, we we had what it took. We just needed to. We just needed to be sure we came together, and bought into the program, and we would win, because we played this this team up in uh, Indy, and uh, it, it was so crazy. Our, our kicker he, he left his he left his tee. He didn't have his tea with him. We didn't have a spare one. We, you 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 learn things. Well, I didn't. I hadn't been around kickers and stuff like that. So I. I go over to the the other head coach and ask him if we can use their tea. Uh, We found out real quick there's no friendship on the football field.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're speaking with Jim Allen, co-founder of the Indiana Cutter Semi-Pro Football Program, and, of course, Brent Slinkard. He was the head coach for a couple of championships. Uh, Speaking of which, the first championship, the amazing game, the Hollywood finish, all of it, remember that day for us
2: oh it was it was uh it was something i mean we 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 had to we had to overcome an obstacle the week before and, and brent will will remember this i'm sure there's a uh, don't in, don't uh, bet on that
0: but go ahead <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> in,
2: in bloomington every year they have a bicycle gathering that draws people from all over the midwest uh called the hilly hundred well the hilly hundred was set to camp where we had our home games we lost we didn't have a place to play uh so i, I call up to martinsville we, we could we can use our practice where we practice we could have used that if we had to that was a backup plan but my being my dad was up at martinsville high school and i had connections up there i called up there and Got got old Coach Siderwitz and, and some other people, and they're like, uh, yeah, you can you can play up here. So the Final Four game for 2007 was played at Martinsville High School on their field, and the team that we played was from Ohio, and they were they were a good team, and they they were bragging about you know they are going to put us away by 20 30 points, and it turned out to be just the opposite. Uh, we we had one heck of a game, and then we went up to Bourbon, Indiana to face the Kosciuszko County Mustangs, and they were a loaded team. Uh, it was a, it, We knew it was going to be a tough game, and what we didn't count on was for the weather to be like in the high 20s at kickoff time, but we were prepared we had kerosene heaters i had managed to get some hardware stores to donate that we could take up with us so we had them on our sideline we we did everything right and then uh, the game got started and i'll let i'm gonna let brent go into the game because he he can uh, he, he can describe it much better than i can because i i i just was in awe once that game started
0: well rich i probably i'm not going to take as deep dive as maybe jim is thinking and and uh, the details uh, I know matter to a lot of the people that were there, but for people listening to the program, uh, I'll just give you some broad strokes. Uh, the final score was 38 37, Rich. So we were one point better than uh, this team in our championship game, our first championship. It was a back and forth game, it was a, thr- a thrilling game. Uh, you know, great, great athletes on the field. Uh, a lot of determination and it really it ended up going down to the final couple minutes. uh, And uh, we found a way to win. Um, And I'm going to give a little credit to all of our players in particular, but but one that I had coached in high school and then I had the great luxury of coaching him again in semi pro and that was Aaron White. He was the quarterback of the team so he and i were because of the experience we had in those situations prior uh there were just a a very fluid level of communication between us i think he knew what i was wanting to do and vice versa and and uh uh, matter of fact if it had not been a uh, for a great play by jakeen gilmore who is a indiana university wide receiver uh who is playing for the cutters uh, making a great play and getting us down the field and finally scoring a touchdown, it probably wouldn't have happened. But uh, it was a great defensive effort, great offensive effort, special teams. We were hitting on all cylinders as we should be in a championship game. And, and that's that's what I remember off the top of my head.
1: And talk about your quarterback. I believe he had a big turnover late in that game, but then was able to come back and lead your team down the field For that last uh that that end of the game touchdown and of course the extra point that would win it talk about him coming back off of that turnover
0: yeah that's on me sometimes the coach just makes the the wrong damn call and you know it the 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 conditions were not right nor was the defensive scheme right and uh you got to own those when you make bad calls but then we were able to come back and 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 redeem ourselves but with all that said, Rich, here, here's what I remember, and I think you you really will appreciate this. I remember the end of the game like it was yesterday. And Rich, I've never seen grown men cry on a football field like we did that night. I I believe that for many, uh, it was a championship they had never had an opportunity to win before, uh, in high school or maybe even maybe even college. Uh, for many it was the end of a long battle a long season of which they made a commitment to they believed in what we were doing and they finally had reached the pinnacle Um, we were presented a beautiful trophy at the end of that game and and the thing I remember most is the emotional demonstration by and, and I'm not talking a couple I'm talking you know a good dozen or 15 players just literally laying on the field uh, crying uh, their eyes out in joy because we had won a championship. And I, I have to be honest with you, I've never been involved with anything quite like that in sports. I played all my life and, and been around the game all my life. And I've seen it on TV. You know, you you see a national collegiate football championship and you see guys on the field at the end of the game just losing their mind. Uh, I had never experienced anything like that. And, and it was just a beautiful thing to see our guys come together as one, as a team, and can make that commitment, and then finally to win that championship. That that's what I remember.
1: And Jim Allen, I I saw that uh, back in 2018. You were able to hold that trophy, and you were honored at halftime at a recent uh, at a 2018 uh, Indiana Cutters game. What was that like to be honored at halftime, holding the trophy, remembering the championship? Tell us about that.
2: Well, it was it was real. It was really special that I got to got the invitation to come uh and it it uh i hadn't uh, even been to a cutter game in a few years uh i was up in with another team in indy and i got the call and they're like uh you know we're gonna have this five-year reunion with you uh, sure i'd love to and you know i didn't know how i would be it, It's it's kind of hard to explain i didn't know how i how i whether i'd be welcomed by everyone some most of them or a few of them and it was just it just goes to show the re- respect that these guys had for e- everybody past uh i was welcome everybody was giving me a hug you know and we, we got out there and, you know one of the, one of the guys he he was one of my favorite uh cutters he always wore a mohawk and he was there and he was joking around you know and of course uh sadly we lost him uh, uh last year i think it was and it's I don't know it, it it was a thrill to be there and to walk back out on that field with these guys and especially to to be able to stand with Brent and hold that trophy because that that first trophy that first championship I've had I've had two other championships but there, that first one will always be the best
1: and then for the first championship to be as I mentioned before with the Hollywood finish. An amazing game, and you mentioned the conditions. It's extremely cold out there. When, when you get to the field and and you, and you see the weather and and the challenges that you face in a championship game, uh, did you think this was going to be a shootout, thirty eight to thirty seven? Could you have imagined that that was the type of game you were going to get? I
2: I didn't think that. I I thought it would be a low scoring defensive. We were our defense was always superb. And with the weather being as cold as it was, I, I just didn't see the shootout coming. And, but it was a shootout. Uh in fact, Mary, was toward the end of the game, we, we was getting ready to go for, go for a fourth down. And I, you know, excitable me. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, Brent, 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 kick the field goal, we gotta have two scores. And he's like, you're right. <laughs> so we kicked the field goal and got it. And then just got fortunate enough to be able to score again in the final two minutes. I mean, it, there was, I think when when we scored the touchdown that went that that we won with, I think there was 22 seconds left in the game.
1: 22 seconds. That's a Hollywood finish. That's pretty incredible. And and you mentioned it before, Brent, for a lot of for yourself and a lot of guys on your team, this was their first experience winning a championship. And I don't care what level it is. It's hard to win a championship. It's hard to reach the top of the mountain? Because everybody out there is trying to win. This is everybody's dream, yet you guys were able to accomplish it at such an early uh, part uh, of the Indiana, the Indiana Cutters' existence. I mean, you guys weren't out this at this for very long, and here you are already at the top of the mountain. Uh, how did you feel for your players, uh, Jim Allen, and, and your coach when you saw that, when you saw that, hey, you know what, we did it. We put this all together. We did great things for these players. We did some awesome stuff for the community, and here we are. We did it. We won. What What were you feeling, Jim? Oh, I I, I was I was almost in tears
2: myself. Uh, I I just looked back and I remember Israel Thompson, uh, Lee Beckton from Notre Dame, Jason Mack from IU, they had all these players. And I remember the last practice. I think it was. And they all, they all talked about we've never we've never had the opportunity to win a championship. We've never not even in youth football. And nowhere have we have we had the chance. And now we've got it. Let's go up there and do it. And like Brent said, to see when the gun sounded, right, there was a big celebration. And then you look around and it's like people are dropping left and right. They're laying flat on their back, crying their eyes out. It's
1: it, it just it, just something I'll never forget. So. Speaking of the top of the mountain, no championship team reaches the top of the mountain without developing rivalries along the way. How about your rivals? Talk about your rivals. Who did you develop that rivalry with?
2: Well, probably our, our first biggest biggest rival was our first year, and it was the uh, a team called the Dragons. And uh, they had won the previous two years league championships. Their coach was a little fireball, little little guy that uh, he, you had to play to beat him. And uh, then uh, one of the other rivals was uh, a team in Indianapolis that JT, the coach of the Dragons, who are our first big rivals, he took over the Indiana Generals, and the Generals really became a, a, a real, real bitter rival. I'll just leave it at that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> bitter rival. What makes a rival, Brent? Uh, Do you remember any of the moments where you said, man, the the Dragons, you know, that's our rivals, or the Generals? uh, Can you point to anything?
0: You know, it's funny, guys, as we think about rivalries in every sport, uh, they kind of help define the game, right? I mean, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just... It brings such energy to the season when you know there's going to be a rivalry game. And and it was no different for us, Rich. Um, and and I'll just say this. Um, first of all, I had immense respect for JT as a coach. I thought he did a, an excellent job of getting his players to to play at a high level. Uh, and the other thing that I'll, I'll say about it really quick is I – uh, I believe that there is, at least from my perspective, there is enormous respect, uh, between, uh, players and coaches. And, uh, I tell you what, man, we battled like hell on the field and it was just bloody at times, but at the end of the game, there were handshakes and fellowship and, and that's always a good thing. I, I think anytime you got a rivalry game and you can, you, you may hate them when, when, you know, the kickoff, uh uh is is done but uh you know off the field there was a great deal of respect and that's what i take away from those rivalries we had with the indiana cutters
1: talking to jim allen co-founder of the indiana cutter semi-pro football program and head coach two-time champion brett slinkard well you had some players with a lot of big-time experience on this team jakeen gilmore played four years at iu never went to a bowl game Lee Beckton played for Lou Holtz at Notre Dame. came within a field goal of a national championship, but fell short. Just talk about some of your players and coaches on the Indiana Cutters.
2: Uh, well, you know, the, we had several uh, notable players and coaches. Uh, Carl Barzaloskas was on the coaching staff. Uh, Jim Muling, who was an assistant, I believe, at Indiana University, he was on the coaching staff. And then, Player-wise, we like we mentioned earlier, we had Lee Beckton from Notre Dame. We had Jason Mack from Indiana University. We had Israel Thompson, who was a Indiana Mr. Football. Uh, we all kinds of different levels of, of talent, different where they where they came from. Our kicker, uh, he was he was unreal, and there's there was no reason why he was shouldn't have been playing at the college level. So we, we were blessed with people. But uh, the coaching staff and stuff, uh, just unreal how how they all gelled together and, and just became like one unit.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right, Jim, and and I go back to what I stated earlier, Rich, which is you got to get the right people on the championship bus, and I think it started with the coaches. Um, you may recall Carl Barzaloskas, Rich. He he actually played for the Packers, Green Bay Packers. He was the number one draft choice out of Indiana University. He played with the Packers. Then he went to New York and played with Joe Namath. So you can only imagine, you know, before practice and after, after practice, you know, Carl being able to share all these wonderful, rich stories about his background, playing career. I mean, the guys loved Coach Barzaloskas and, you know, uh, Coach Barzalaskis is just a gentle giant, and uh, he's a, he's a just a wonderful man, and and that's the kind of people we had involved. And then uh, Jim had mentioned Jim Muling. Well, Jim Muling had coached at any university, Indiana University, with Coach Mallory, and and was an assistant at Northwestern University. I mean, we had some really great people uh, on on our on our staff, and that really helped. Uh, the players, you can't name them all, uh, but there are certainly some that, that come to mind. Um, you know, Jim had mentioned some of the players from Indiana University. Uh, you know, that was a, that was a real credibility marker for us to have some former IU athletes want to come and play for our program. Uh, the day the phone rang and, and Lee Becton was on the other line. Uh, who had a brilliant career at Notre Dame. Um, Oh, my gosh, Rich, when we would travel up north into Michigan or uh, in northern Indiana, I mean, people would come out to see Lee Becton play again. I mean, that's the kind of draw that we had. Uh, And it was just fun to get all these these really outstanding athletes uh, on the the team and on the program. But um, I'm going to pivot here just a little bit, Rich, uh, and you, you take this where you, you want to go with it. But uh, I, I believe that anytime you're trying to get the right people on the bus, there are some foundational aspects that are central to building a team. Now, you know, Jim pointed to some of those a little bit earlier, but I, I'm going to mention just two guys in particular, because I think that they were the absolute cornerstones of our success And without them, I'm not real clear if we could have had championships. Um, The first guy I'm going to mention is Kurt Engelking out of uh, Columbus, Ohio, uh, Columbus, Indiana. Uh, Outstanding, uh, Division I caliber talent, linebacker. He anchored our defense for years. Kurt was one of those guys that had just, he just reeked of credibility. Uh, You know, he he, uh, was a man's man. Uh, He was respected by his players. And when we recruited him, and I remember to to this day, the phone call I had with him uh, to get him to come and join the Indiana Cutters. uh, There were were another half a dozen outstanding players that joined because Kurt was going to be involved with the Indiana Cutters. Uh, Kurt was such an anchor to our team and I think one of the cornerstones. And then on the other side of the ball, and you know how this works, Rich. You know, you, you typically have those those foundational guys on on one side of the ball, and then you have foundational guys on the other side. And on the, on the offense, we get potentially one of the greatest running backs in the state of Indiana. I mean, Israel Thompson played in Martinsville. He was a Mr. Football. Um, he, he was one of the most outstanding. All you got to do is check the record books, if you don't believe me. Go look at the record books and see what this guy amassed over time. And to get a player like that to commit to the Indiana Cutters and want to play for our organization was was an enormous credibility marker. Uh, He brought so much to the team. And and being able to say that, you know, we've got somebody like Israel Thompson, it's just like people wanting to go play with Tom Brady down in Tampa Bay a couple years ago. I mean, it was an automatic drawing card. And I really believe that those two guys were central to those championships. But but here's the last thing I'll say, and I, I, you and Jim can weigh in. These were character people. Again, it goes back to getting the right people on the championship bus. They were outstanding ball players by their own right. But more importantly, they were great character individuals. And I think you know we were all about getting good people involved, who had a vision to to be successful together, uh, to share in the, in in our in the the ride to championships, and those two guys not only were great football players, they were just good men, and I think they just absolutely helped us achieve what we achieved, along with so many others. But those two guys come to mind. Jim,
2: yeah, it's uh, uh I was I was just thinking while you were talking on, on that, uh, you know, Israel had had played for one of the best organizations. Uh, it, uh, before the Cutters and that was, they were called the South Central Broncos. He left the South Central Broncos to go play for the Indianapolis Tornadoes, who were owned by former coach Barry Krause. So we not only got Israel Thompson, the former 1996 Mr. Football, we've got Israel Thompson from the Tornadoes. And this was, the Tornadoes were, they were like two leagues above us. I mean, there's different levels of leagues. And Israel left the tornadoes and came to play for us. And when he did, he brought a couple other players with him. So, yeah, he definitely one of the cornerstones.
1: And, Jim, when when you see these kind of players, a Mr. Football on your team, this is, this is a team that you just put together, a semi-pro football organization you put together, and now you have local celebrities on the team. This is looking like a real force, a football team that people can look at Put their arms around and really get to know. It has the personality. Talk about that. Talk about the personality you saw develop with this team, with the players you were recruiting.
2: Well, like like we said earlier, it, it, everybody just came to get I me mean, it, it, right off the bat. This was this was a this was a family. I mean, it it was a it was a football family. Uh, they had if you know they had each other's backs. They we were all. We all had the same goals in mind, and uh, there there wasn't like uh, I'm going to be the star of this team, and I, blah, 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 you know it, it's just like hey let's do it we're a team let's do it, and to see the, all the different uh, all the different levels of talent, and at our practices and games you wouldn't have known that this guy never played uh, college football while these other guys did. It was like, everybody had each other's back and they supported each other. And like I said, if we this was just a Cutter uh, uh, family. And the Cutters were, uh, those guys, uh, even nowadays, you know, I've, I've had a, a few medical problems, but man, is he, he calls all the time, checks out. Yeah, it's just that, you know, I get messages. Got a message from a former player the other day, who's now a Chicago policeman. He saw that I was having some tests done up in his farmer hometown. Wanted to know if I needed anything sent over. Uh, he'd call delivery and have it delivered to me. So that's the type of people we had on this team, and that's what made it such a success.
1: And Brent, how does recruiting work at this level, the semi-pro level? We know how it works with college, but how does a Mister Football end up on the Indiana Cutters and not on the Dragons or the Generals? You know, how, how are you <laughs> able to recruit at this level?
0: there are no rules. I mean, and if there were rules, we would have followed them. I'll tell you that. But I I will share with you that in this space, it's unlike anything that you've probably ever seen before. Now, there are some situations, we didn't do this, but some uh, will actually do contracts. Um, But good luck trying to hold that in court. I I really think it's about, again, uh, sharing the vision, getting the right people involved, uh, I think that's what gives some of these players the comfort to join the Indiana Cutters because, one, we were committed to championship caliber play. Uh, we had a plan. Uh, we, we were going to execute that plan. And I think guys could see that very early on. Uh, and I, I still remember that 90-minute conversation with Kirk Engelking uh, one night in my home, and, and we talked about everything. Uh, You know, probably 10 minutes was football, the rest of it was about life. And I think we had a bond uh, that we determined pretty early on. And at the end of that conversation, Kurt said, you know, I'm going to come play for you guys. Uh, It sounds to me like, you know, you're, you're professional, you go about things in a first class way and he and he knew he had some knowledge about semi pro, unlike me when I got into it. Uh, and he could see that we were probably going to end up being one of the premier leagues in the Midwest, if not the country, and, or teams in the country. And I think that's why a lot of these guys decided to come and play with us.
1: And I'd imagine that it's the same with the coaching staff. How did you know who you wanted to reach out to? How did you know that the type of personality that you wanted involved, that you wanted coaching with you, that had the same vision? Did you know who to reach out to? Did you have to talk to Jim? Uh, how did you uh, accomplish that? How did you put your coaching staff together?
0: Well, obviously, I talked to Jim about everything. And, and he, he and I were just like yin and yang. I mean, there was probably never a better fit between two people uh, in an organization. Uh, everything we did, we discussed. But for me, only because of my previous experiences in football coaching, I had relationships. I had coached with Carl Barzoloskas in high school. So uh, he he was a natural fit. Uh, I knew Jim Muling because he was on the football staff at Indiana University, Uh, not not directly but indirectly. And you know we went to lunch. I explained to him what we were doing, and it was like man, this is just awesome. So you know those two guys really anchored that defense for us for for a couple of years, and and it was never difficult to get people. Matter of fact, one guy I will mention, uh, Charlie Shepard, he was a guy that played. Early on, uh, Rich, and and you know how this goes, some guys get injured. Well, this guy blew out his knee. And just like us, the three of us, just a diehard football guy, loves the game. And we talked him into being a coach. Uh, and by golly, he took on that role limping around all, and and everything else. But it's people like that, Charlie Shepard and his wife, and you know uh, that Barzalaskas and Muling and, and Engelking and and Thompson and and there's so many more names that you know could be mentioned that really help put this organization together. I, I think it was just again getting the right people involved and, and sharing a vision and just going out and making it happen.
1: Jim Allen, if yes. you were to think about it, could you tell us? Who are some of the key people involved in building the foundation of Indiana Cutters football?
2: Well, one thing that comes comes to mind. Uh, there there had been a a trial a team tried to make it and it was in our kind of in our area, and uh, Brent and I met with some of them uh, a couple of the their their main people one night. And we told them if we can get you guys on board, and this is who we've got so far. If we can get you guys on board, you know what we can do. And they they agreed to uh, they agreed to be a part of the cutters. And I think that that really solidified what we needed. We because those players were looking for a team to go to because their team was not coming back that year. And when they seen what we had, that's they were a special part of the 2007 team and a reason why that team went to the Final Four. In the Final Four game, that that was uh, Israel Thompson almost got into the end zone, and it was one of them slow, unpile deals. So, and we were out of timeout, so we were less than a yard away from from uh, tying or beating that team, and that team went on to win a national championship that year.
0: You would have to bring that up, damn it.
2: i had to sorry
0: (laughs) yeah that was a tough one rich there could have been three but consecutive championships but uh you know two yards and six seconds and uh yeah i'd like to have that one back
1: it's a game of inches they say right that's right (laughs) it was that day (laughs) (laughs) my oh my it's a game of inches for sure so Uh, How about you, Brendan, when you think about building the foundation of Indiana Cutters football, which is a championship organization, uh, who would you talk about?
0: No, I'd talk about Jim till the end of time. You know, again, I think it goes back to somebody has to have the guts, the drive, the heart, the passion to take an idea and do something with it. You know, too many people get credit for ideas, but they never they never happen. Uh, it's those that take the idea as he did and build a program that contended for championships, uh, now don't get me wrong. And, and Jim's going to be the first one to say, Hey, it wasn't just me. It was everybody. And, and it was, and I, and I think back so many faces come to mind, many we've talked about, but you know, it, it's, it's guys like Mike Hicks, uh, it's guys like Aaron White, who I coached in in high school it's guys like jake bear who not only i coached in high school i coached in youth leagues i mean to to have this these foundational type players uh with the character to to really move us forward was just a a game changer and let's not forget rich these things don't happen you know you're down there in florida they don't they don't happen without community support and i'm talking board members sponsors i mean every it was a perfect storm And, you know, Mr. P.T. Barnum on this call here, Mr. Allen, he did a great job of putting together, you know, the presentation. And, I mean, it was just something that you couldn't deny on a Saturday night. If you were looking for something to do in the summertime, go watch the Indiana Cutter semi-pro football team. You'd be watching some of the best talent in the Midwest as far as semi-pro is concerned. And uh, they won championships. So, when I think back to the people, there's so many to to name that we're go, we're going to miss them if we if we try, but they know who they are, they know the contributions they made to the team. Many were outstanding high school players. Some some of them were outstanding college players, um, and you know even some coaches who had, had coached at different levels uh, over time. But at the end of the day, it wouldn't have happened without Jim Allen
1: wouldn't have happened without Jim Allen, and that led to a couple of championships. I want to go back to this because I think it's very interesting, and it gives us a look into the mind of an athlete, of a coach. Because as we all know, even the best, the greatest of all time, the GOATs, right? Even a Tom Brady has lost Super Bowls. Uh, You know, uh, Aaron Rodgers, the MVP of the NFL this past season, we saw him lose before he could even get to the NFC championship game. We've seen that happen a lot over the years with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, When you look back and you think about the two championships you won, and also the one that got away, you just mentioned that third championship. It could have happened, but it got away. What do you get hung up on more? Do you think more about the success, or do you think about the one that got away?
2: Wow, That's a loaded question. Uh, I think more about the success. Uh, The 2007 definitely was a heartbreak. But 2008, uh, that there's just nothing that I can even compare that to. That was, that was amazing. It was awesome, uh, and that's that's the one that sticks in my heart the most.
1: How about you, Brent?
0: God, Rich, I got to be honest. I don't. I can't even think that way anymore. I'm too damn old. <laughs> I, I, you know, I I think I really don't remember the 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 plays of the games as much as I do, the relationships. And, and I know we'll talk more about this in the end, but that's, that's what stands out to me, uh, just, just the extraordinary experience. Um, and, you know, I, sure, do you double guess certain things as a coach? Everybody does. Uh, but all in all, you know, in a three-year window, the level of success that this program had uh was was really second to none and and i know we'll talk a little bit more about that as we close out the program but yeah that that's what stands out in my mind is just the level of achievement and success by everyone that was involved created these just uh, wonderful memories that that's what i recall
1: well that's good cool. yeah i was just i thought it was pretty fascinating because you always wonder that like i said even the greatest that what's this how does the saying go you win some you lose some right? And, and I always, as a person, I never won a championship. I wonder if, if I ever got to that level, would I get hung up more on, on the success I had or, or or some of the failures? But uh, going back to building the foundation of Indiana Cutters football and, and that part of the conversation as well, I feel speaking with you guys that this is about people, you know, and, and ultimately that's what the, the experience is about. We talked about it earlier in the show. Football is life, right? And it starts to take on a greater meaning. So you can talk about the success. You can talk about championships, wins and losses. But a lot of what this show has been about are the people involved and how you affected their lives. But Brett and Jim Allen, I want you at this point to talk about how the people who helped you build the foundation of the Indiana the Indiana Cutters, talk about how they affected your life. How did the players affect you, Brent, as a head coach? You know, how did it change your perception on what you were trying to do? How how did that affect you?
0: I don't know if I can answer your question directly, Um, Rich. It's a great question, but I, I I can only share this. When you go through an experience as we did with those people, players, coaches, board members, et cetera. Um, when, when you go a step further and you win championships, it changes everything. And, and what I mean by that is this, and, and this uh, I think this applies to all sports, when you reach the pinnacle and when you reach the, the very top, the title, the championships, the bond that you have with those people that you experience that with is eternal, and and, and I'm not just blowing sunshine here. I, I'm I'm talking realistically about when you when you reach that level of success and you share that, you never forget it. And there's not one person that was involved with that program at that time. If if I were in trouble and I needed to call any of them. I know they would return my call and they would help me if I could. And the same applies for me and Jim, which is if they're going to, if they're in trouble and they need help and they need to uh, call us, uh, that's, that's the community, the fellowship, the brotherhood that is built by way of winning together and having championships together. I I don't know that that answered your question, Rich, but that's how I see this. That's the takeaway.
1: That's great insight. And, and I'll turn to you, Jim Allen. You know, you're the co-founder of Indiana Cutters football. And think about the impact that you had on so many people's lives, whether it's the players or the coaches, the fans in the stands, the food pantry, all the help that you you provided for the community. But how about yourself, the players, uh, the people who helped build the foundation of Indiana Cutters football? You know, how did they change you or affect your life?
2: Well, kind of like Brent just said, uh, and Brent's one of them, right? He helped you build yeah, the foundation. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, these these guys. It, it's it's amazing that you you you've got these forever friends, and and some of them to me are like forever family. Uh, and and it all came from meeting together and working toward a goal together. And being committed together i i don't really i i don't know how to put it any other way other than you know wow uh had had it not been for the indiana cutters uh i wouldn't have been able to give back to my community the way that i did and uh i wouldn't have all these friends that i've got through football relationships today um you know Jakeen Gilmore pay, played for us. He was actually drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Um, in my later years, when I was up in Indianapolis with the team, uh, Richard Barksdale. I coached. Uh, I coached with him. You know, he was a player for the Indiana, uh, Indianapolis Tornadoes. So there's all kinds of Bob Denton. Yeah, you know, he was a drafted uh, an NFL player. I, I've met so many people, and uh, you know, Coach Sider was at Martinsville. We, we had an All Star game. Uh, when I was with a president of a different league uh, of a league here a couple years ago and I called coach and he said I wanted him to do the coin toss he said well I'll do it if you're there and Izzy's there and so I called Israel and Israel yeah I'll be there so you know that's just you call, it's like Brent said you call them if you need something you call these guys and they're there for you and if I need something I can reach out to them and I guarantee you they would be in the car heading to Bloomington right now.
1: We're speaking with Jim Allen, co-founder of the Indiana Cutter Semi-Pro Football Program, along with head football coach Brent Slinker, two-time champion. Jim Allen, I got to ask you this. Uh, with all the work that went into building up the Indiana Cutters organization, it must have been pretty difficult to step down.
2: Well, it, it, uh, it was, and that all falls, falls back to, uh, looking back on it, I'll say right now, that was the absolute worst decision I ever made uh I've always had a spot in my heart for the cutters and just because I left that that did not leave I, I even kept my Facebook page for the cutters which has you know to, to this date over 1400 people still following it but uh there was one individual that wasn't that was involved in in the cutters that he was um Brent may have more to say on this but uh it it became all about him and he to me it broke everything that we had worked for uh it is it just you know we were a team we were a family and everybody was responsible for what had taken place and after the 2008 season uh, the first few practices and stuff of 2009 this guy was just it was just me 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 and i just i just didn't like that idea so I called Brent one, one morning, told him I was going to step away. And he said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. I said, he hung up. <laughs> I called him back and went to voicemail. So. Uh, but, you know, worst worst thing, I, I, I wish I'd never done it. I mean, I did have success other places, but my heart's always been
0: with the cutters. How
1: about that, Brent? Uh, what was your reaction when you got that phone call?
0: Rich, yeah. yeah. I'm going to give you some credit. I, I, I appreciate you bringing this up, and I say that only because I think Cutter Nation, you know, the, the hundreds of people that that followed our program probably uh, wonder about that that time. And you know how it works. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, 20 right? Um, and Jim's already stated maybe that was a mistake on his part to step away, but it was a mistake on my part not to assert myself in that situation because I had mentioned earlier, it's all about getting the right people on the bus. Uh, if you're going to build a championship uh, drive, you got to get the right people on the bus, and you know you don't always get it perfect. And in this particular case, uh, this gentleman who was involved with the program uh, unfortunately caused some really negative uh, things for the program, and uh, unfortunately the wrong person stepped off. Uh, he had proved himself to us. Uh, you know it, they always say that you know the bad will reveal themselves to you in time. And, and unfortunately, this gentleman did. But, you know, with that said, uh, <laughs> uh, let me say this. We went on that year to win a championship. And Jim was not on the sideline with me. It was never the same for me without my, my partner beside me. But, but I'm going to say this much, and that is we won two championships in a really short period of time. And Jim Allen's signature is on every damn championship we won, and, and that's, the, that's the damn truth. So, you know, my thinking is this, is that it was a tough time for our program, uh, the Indiana and Cutter Nation. Uh, we end up winning a championship that year, which we can talk briefly about, uh, but, you know, at the, at the end of the day. You got to look and see whose signatures on the accomplishments and the and the championships and Jim Allen's on every damn championship we ever won.
1: So let's Thank take you. a go ahead, go ahead, uh, Jim. Uh, right. yeah. Yeah.
2: Thanks, Brand. I you know I, I appreciate those words. Uh, and you know, I know we're going to touch base on the second championship for you, for the cutters here, and that was that was another good close game. But uh you know, I, my time with Brandt. Uh, like he said he missed me on the sideline uh if the other places i was at it was never the same as what it was with the cutters there was never the loyalty that was there there was never uh, a lot a lot of times there it it just was not the cutters so you know looking back like he said hindsight's 2020. you know i wish i would never left i should have maybe exerted a little more effort and and stayed and had the other person leave so I'm sure the board would have backed me on that, but uh, my feeling was it I just did the season was getting ready to start, and I didn't want to just I didn't want to be a distraction.
1: So let's get into that a little bit here. The second championship, so nice you had to do it twice. Uh, Jim Allen, as Brent mentioned, you were not on the sideline for that one. But when you see it happen, the second championship, do you still you should, I think, but let me let you answer. Do you still feel that sense of accomplishment? I mean, hey, that's still my team there. You know, that's what I built. You know, those are my players. That's my head coach. Do you still kind of get that sense of accomplishment uh, seeing the the Indiana Cutters win their second championship?
0: Great question. Great question, Rich. Go ahead, Jim.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's a a damn loaded question. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, Okay, so 2009. I left, and I, I hadn't been gone two or three days, and Josh Trahune, everybody called him Head Coach JT, he was with the Indiana Generals. He called me, he said, I hear that you've left the Cutters, and yeah, I'm done. He said, no, uh, our board wants you up here. I said, I, I can't do that. I, yeah, I've been with the Cutters all, all spring. I've been running practices, you know, up here, you and and you run the boat. You You got full control. And I was like. Okay, well, I guess we can do that. So, so it caused a rift, and we brought the generals down to Bloomington, and we planned the cutters, and the cutters did not have the fireworks anymore. So I'm just going to br- real briefly go through this. Hope it don't offend, but. Uh, I had a deal worked out their little pet shop by the high school where we were playing the game and I, I had permission from them to have my son in the, in the parking lot with his pickup truck. And I said, when the general score, I want you to light the sky. Well, it touched off some hard feelings and this, that, and the other, we won the game. So we finished the season unbeaten and guess who we played for the championship? The Indiana Cutters. Wow. At Arlington High School. It's six to nothing. The generals are ahead. We're in the fourth quarter. We throw a little swing pass out. Touchdown, 13. You know, I'm I'm looking at 13 to nothing, right? And I'm up in the press box watching the generals play my former team. And I'm like, well, we just won. And then the announcer, of course, is like, and there's a flag on the play. So the touchdown got nullified our reliable field goal kicker misses a chip shot and israel thompson had got hurt in that game he come back into the game and they marched down the field and scored kind of kind of like a storybook ending for them and they they won that game seven six
1: amazing Uh, an incredible football game so many stories uh going on with these championships with the indiana cutters how about you brent slinkard you were the head coach for the indiana cutters there you're facing the generals your your former partner just talk about that experience and 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 winning the second championship remember that day
0: (laughs) well it starts with a laugh and a chuckle because i'll just say this about uh jim's comments everybody who bought a ticket to that semi-pro game down there and 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 uh Bloomington that, that night with the generals and the cutters, man, did they get a deal? Cause they got to see everything <laughs> that night. <laughs> Jim, Jim and I went out of our way to make it extra special. I'll just put it that way. Um, but here's the thing, you know, I, I, the second championship was bittersweet because Jim wasn't on the sideline. Here, here's the guy that I've done all this with worked so hard with, and he wasn't with me. I'd heard he was up in the press box. And to Jim's point, it was a tight game. Um, you know, emotions are flowing back and forth. It was a defensive battle. Um, you know, that both o- offenses were stymied and both offenses were throwing up points throughout the entire season. But this game, it was a defensive battle and it was, a, it was an amazing game to watch. And, and to, you know, Jim's point, Israel did get hurt. You know, here's our top guy, Mr. Football. Uh, he's on the sidelines. He is really banged up. And I do remember going over to him, and he was on the bench. And I said, Israel, I said, this may be the last go-around for both of us. Do you want to play the last five minutes? And I, I felt that way because I think the entire season was kind of like, you know, Coach Slinker, this may be his last ride. Some of the more marquee players on the team, this could be their last season, Kurt Engelking, you know, Mike Hicks. Uh, so many of our, our key players, Jakeem Gilmore, he was going to be moving on, and, and I knew we had about a five-minute window to to achieve a second championship. And uh, you know, make a long story short, uh, we we drive down the ball down the field, and there were only seconds left left on the clock when we um, when we put it over the goal line. I was pleading with our offensive line. Uh, to just gut it out because I knew everybody was exhausted. It was an emotional game. It was a physical game. And you know the idea of winning a second championship was was sweet in so many ways because it goes back to the original first practice. We told these guys that, that get on this championship bus. This is how we're gonna go about our business. This is our commitment. This is what we're gonna focus on. This is how we're gonna have success. This is our plan. We're committed. If you love football, you're going to love this. And it was the it was a sum total that second championship was a sum total of everything over those past three years that I had experienced with Jim. And uh, uh, it, yeah, it was it was very special, uh, very special for everyone involved with the program.
1: We're speaking with Jim Allen, co-founder of the Indiana Cutter Semi-Pro Football Program, and head coach Brent Slinker, two-time champion. Go to Jim Allen here. Jim, what would you say is the legacy of Indiana Cutters football?
2: Well, we—I uh, think the the legacy of the Cutters is how we how we did things. Because from two thousand seven on, any team that wanted to start that anybody that wanted to start a team They would call me. I would get calls. I think Brent got calls. Um, It's just, it's just that uh, it's a legacy of winning, but also a legacy of respect. Respect for our each other. Respect for for the game of football. And I think that uh, the legacy of the Cutters is anything that's happened in semi-pro. In this area or in this state has been based off of the indiana cutters
1: how about you brent talk about the legacy of indiana cutters football
0: um rich it's a great question i i think i would look at this a couple different ways and then you know maybe we can we can all talk about it as we close the program but uh first i'll comment on on what jim said which is The legacy is in part due to the great game that all of us were privileged to be a part of. Um, You know, I'm a firm believer that, you know, sports teaches us values about life, uh, life lessons, Uh, sports are not easy. It can be a struggle uh, to participate at any at any level, but man, the rewards are just lifelong memories. Um, So. You know when i think about the legacy of the indiana cutters which is your question i really think about how this program captivated the country now rich you may think that's an out-of-bounds statement but it's really not because i know that i received at least eight to ten phone calls during that period of time from people all over the country wanting to start semi-professional teams or leagues and they wanted to know what our secret sauce was. They wanted, they wanted to pick our brain. They wanted access to Jim Allen. They wanted access to me to understand what we did in just three years to go to three championships and win two of them. And thanks to Jim's painful reminder, (laughs) two two yards and six seconds short of a third one. Um, But I think that's you know that's that comes to mind for me is just how Jim was able to get the community involved. Um, yeah, the, the legacy is, is just uh, things that I think people remember very well, very fondly. Um, th- that's the kind of things I think that stand out to me as far as the legacy goes. Uh, and, and that's that's one way to look at that. Jim, I mean, don't you agree?
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, I agree 100%. Jim, let,
1: let's try this. Uh, Jim Allen. What if I were to tell you the legacy of the Indiana Cutters is champions? What would you say?
2: I would agree with that.
1: You guys are champions. Just talk about that. You know, uh, you started from the ground up. And a lot of people who were in the area, talking about Bloomington, Indiana, you know, everything that you accomplished, you will be remembered as champions you know and that is part of the legacy so talk about being remembered as a champion
2: well of course anytime at least with me no matter what you're doing if if there, if there's a score to be kept you want to win if there's a championship to be won you want to win it and from day one i wanted to win a championship uh like it, it was it was really sad to lose that 2007 final four game but then 2008 rose around we are the champion and even in 2009 i mean yeah i had moved on they were playing i my new team was playing my old team and you know how to how the hell do you there's there's no way to really express the feelings that i had up in in the press box because i had cutter people up there there were you know general people up there and they're like dang you you, you, looks like you're gonna beat us and then dang hey (laughs) we beat you (laughs) you know but all in all yeah when you when people think of the cutters i think they do they think champions i think you're right
1: Brent Slinkard uh, same kind of deal there how would you react to your legacy the program's legacy of being champions putting together a championship team in such a short amount of time that is the legacy of the Indiana Cutters react to that
0: first I'll, I'll say I'll respond to you this way uh, it is and always will be about the team um, I know we're here talking about Jim and and Coach Slinker today, and so many other people that we've mentioned. But it is absolutely every every person that was involved with that organization is part of this of this team. And again, as I stated earlier, you know when you talk about legacy, yeah, you think about championships, and I appreciate you putting it that way. But it's also the bond, this unspoken commitment between everybody on that team it doesn't matter the time or the distance uh there's a code uh, amongst teammates and in particular those that win championships together and that code is you're just always there you're always there it's a special memory but you're always there for the people that you experience that with and i think that's one of the things that absolutely stands out in my mind and and you know in, in closing, I think, uh, on this whole legacy idea, uh, wouldn't have happened uh, without the players. Um, and they bought into a vision that both Jim and I shared, and I think we articulated it very well in a very intellectual way, which is, you know we're gonna outwork our opponents. we're gonna we're gonna outthink our opponents. Uh, We're going to work harder than they are. And and really what that does, at least in my mind, Rich, it creates a mindset before you ever touch the field. And and I think there were times, at least with the Indiana Cutters, we had won the game before we ever stepped on the field. And and trust me, I, I love Bill Belichick's statement. There are more football games lost than won, but I think we understood that. we we were winning games prior to ever stepping on the football field. And it was the entire organization that was part of that process. So I think that legacy, I mean, if you really wanna be candid about it, I think it was was the entire um, systematic way that we created a winning culture that really helped uh, build those championship games. Uh, to me, I, I hope that makes sense to you, Rich, because you've been around sports all your life, but but to me, that's where this is. That's where this starts and where it ends.
1: I, I think that that's uh, 100% correct, but I would also say even uh, your involvement in the community, I think part of the legacy of the Indiana Cutters football program is your involvement in the community doing things for local food pantries and, and things of that nature and getting fan giving local fans something to cheer for to get excited about putting on a fireworks show people love fireworks right <laughs> just being an outlet for that local community and giving them something at the level of a championship team i think that uh, part of the legacy of the indiana cutters locally will be what you actually did for that community uh, react to that guys cuz i think it has to be said that this became really a uh, part of the fabric of Bloomington, Indiana. Oh, no doubt. I mean, uh,
2: yeah, I agree with that 100%.
1: How about you, Brett?
0: Well, I don't think there's going to be any books written about it, but the fact that we're able to do this program, and uh, Rich, the fact that you've moderated this the way that you have with your passion for sports and your experience as a journalist, You you can see there's a really compelling story here. And I think as we look back, there was a three-year period there where we were doing some things at a very high level. It gained league-wide respect and in some cases national respect. And um, again, it goes back to Jim's vision, his commitment to uh, making sure that he put together the right organization. Um, As a coach, I had to make sure we got the right people on the bus Uh, that we imparted a championship vision about how we're gonna accomplish things. Uh, We were very detailed in our approach. And and Rich, I think your your compliment, which I I so appreciate, and I'm sure Jim does too, and that is how the community got involved. I mean, media got involved. We were covered in newspapers, radio, talk shows, uh, DJs in in the community talked about the Indiana Cutters. Uh, Jim's idea to get non-for-profit charitable organizations involved. Um, you know, you know. Here again, I think, I really think Jim and I shared that if you're going to do something, do it as best as you can. Now there may be resources, financial or whatever, that, that may get in the way, but nothing really got in our way. Um, we we just we just marched step and step, and and the fellowship that we had was imparted upon everybody in the organization. Everybody had each other's backs. We never felt down, even if the scoreboard reflected different. We knew we would come back. Uh, and that's the type of culture that we created. And uh, hats off to the players, you know, the personnel, team team support, everybody. It was just an amazing period in so many people's lives. And a great story, if, if you think so, Rich. I'm glad that we did this with you.
1: Oh, and I'm so glad. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me to uh, really go down memory lane with you on this incredible story as we end the program here I just want to give you guys one last chance uh words of wisdom final thoughts on uh, Indiana Cutters football and and I'll go to you first Jim Allen uh, any final words on this words of wisdom just just uh sum up the whole story for us of uh, Indiana Cutters football
2: well the the Cutters have, you know they we started out with. So many people doubting us, so many people saying it can't be done, so many so many uh, just that at first didn't even really want to discuss it, and then, through the hard work of uh, the board members, the coaches, the players, the players' families, I mean the families are were they're part of it too. We were able to pull this off, and it's it it's like Brent said, it's a total team. Total organization effort. Uh, we all have bumps in the road that we go through, and uh, I know I've had some bumps in the road, and these guys are right there for me. Uh, they're a phone call away, and, and it, this is from guys from 2007, 2008, 2009. You know, there I I've got I, I call them. Yeah, well, you need well, you need coach, and uh, that's it's just something that I'm proud of. But I'm proud of the organization, and it took a lot more than just me. I was just the guy that had the idea; that everyone else is what really made this go.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing this incredible story with us today, Jim Allen and Brent Slinkard. It really, it truly is uh, an amazing American sports story that hopefully as many people can hear it as possible. And again, I just I, I want to make this point. For the men involved, whether it's it's a co-founder of the Indiana Cutter Semi-Pro Football Program or a two-time championship coach, the players involved, for these men, football is not just a sport. For many involved, football is life. And I really believe that you got that from this conversation here today. And, and I'm so grateful for being a part of it. So thank you so much, guys. For Brent Slinkard and Jim Allen, I'm Rich Carroll.